welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. It's, it's great that we are a church not in isolation, but we relate to other churches, and that gives us an ability to invite people in who have the same vision and heart as we do. And so it's wonderful to have Steve and Ruth with us today. Um, So they've come across from Huddersfield, um, from that area, um, and um, they are coming to bring what God has put on their minds to share with us. Um, So let me just pray, and then I'll get Uh, Steve and Ruth to come up and um, bring God's word to us. Father God, you're amazing. You're wonderful. You're the great I am. And we're just so grateful that you've already spoken to us. But Lord, I pray that you would um, bless Steve and Ruth as they bring uh, more stuff that you've prepared in their hearts. Lord, will you share with us that our hearts would be changed by what you have for us. Thank you, God. Amen. Bless you. Cheers. Thank you. Good morning. So yeah, we've come over, Ruth and I, Ruth will be up in a couple of minutes um, to uh, bring you uh, love from the Ark Church in Huddersfield. So we're part of the uh, Christ Central family of churches. So we've driven over this morning uh, from the light side to the dark side. From God's own county of Yorkshire. Um, no, seriously, we do bring you greetings. I agree. It's wonderful to be part of uh, a family of churches. Um, this morning, uh, we want to speak about the power of praying for the lost. The power of praying for the lost. And I know Ben was talking a little bit about this last week, so we did, I didn't know that. I think God's on, on the case, the power of praying uh, for the lost. I'd also forgotten that uh, your sort of strap line on your banners and your posters and everything is bringing the life of Christ to a lost and broken world. Amen. Now, a big part of bringing the life of Christ to a lost and broken world is praying for the lost and broken world. Sometimes it's easy to think that, you know, prayer comes before evangelism. No, prayer is evangelism. Prayer is part of evangelism. Without prayer, our evangelism, our reaching out will come to nothing. Only God can save people. Only God can change people's hearts. So we want to talk about just praying and encourage you just to, to, you know, God's on the case here to encourage you to keep or to start praying for a lost and broken world. And a big part of the lost and broken world are lost and broken people. <laughs> we all know that the, the whole world is broken, that the climate change, everything, the, the world is groaning, but a big part of the lost and broken world are lost and broken people, and they are people like you and me, people that you know. People, perhaps, who are part of your family, who you may live with. People who live on your street next door. People who you work with. People who you socialize with. Just friends of friends. It's 
all people. We need to pray. And we have an enemy of the devil who doesn't want them to be saved and will put everything in our way to stop us from praying. Therefore, we need to keep being encouraged and stimulated and motivated to pray for the lost. Just a word about that, that word lost. Uh, I don't know everybody here. It would be far wrong of me. I never assume when I'm going somewhere else to speak that everyone in the room that I'm speaking to is a Christian. So you may be here this, mor- this morning and you, you may not be a Christian or you may not be sure if you're a Christian or maybe you were and you're uh, on your way. I don't know. Um, and sometimes people, Christians or those who are not yet Christians, can get a little bit mm, unsure about that word lost. The lost. It's one of those words that sometimes in some... Some Christians uh, say, oh, we can't use that word anymore. We shouldn't use that word anymore. It's a bit in your face to say that someone's lost. Well, hey, it's a biblical word. <laughs> it's a word that the Bible uses a heck of a lot. And I'm all for using the words that the Bible uses, not sort of politically correct or socially whatever manipulated words. The Bible talks about the lost. Jesus said he came to seek and serve the lost. In my favorite chapter in the Bible, Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories all about something that gets lost. So we got the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son. And if you read that chapter, I think the word lost is used about eight or nine times in that chapter. And it's clearly making the point that as human beings, as men and women, we can get lost. We, we wander away from God's best for us. We, we walk off on a path of our own making rather than the one that God makes for us. We can get lost. And in that parable of the lost son, the father says when the son comes back and he's starting to tell his servants that we've got to celebrate because that that was lost has been found. The son has returned to his father. He says this in Luke 15 verse 24, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And there's a great celebration in each of those stories when that that is lost is found. So we want to just encourage you to pray for the lost. Previously, I think even this year, when I've been here, I've spoken about the power of the gospel, that the gospel message is so powerful to save people. Uh, Previous to that, I think I've spoken about the power of an invitation, how I was invited uh, as when I wasn't a Christian some 30 odd years ago, I was invited to play squash with the curate in the local church. And that challenged me and opened up the, me to conversations. And then in another church, I was challenged by another curate to an ale and argument night where he says, You guys bring the beer and I'll provide the argument. You know? And it was those sorts of things, it was invitations. I was invited to a Billy Graham meeting where I really heard the power of the gospel explained to me for the first time. I was invited to a Graham Kendrick event where on the 20th 20th of October 1989 at 10 minutes to 10. uh, I was invited, I went to that event and I got down on my knees and invited Christ into my life. So invitations are powerful. The gospel is powerful, but our prayers are powerful. And Ruth's just going to come speak about that from the scripture a little bit and then just share her story uh, about how, you know, she had to pray for me and and what God did in that. So, Ruth. Right, good morning. Um, I'm going to look at a scripture to start off with from Micah from the Old Testament 
and it's Micah chapter 7, verse 7. I'm just going to read it through. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Now, this made a tremendous impact on me when I, when I read it through a few, uh, probably a few months ago now. The context of the chapter is chaos, despair, destruction, darkness, loads of bad things going on around the prophet Micah. But he begins, but as for me, I'm going to take a different course of action. I'm not going to go the way that everybody else is going because I know my God. And it's really how he trusts in God and how confident he is in God that sort of really we can see with the words there. He says, I will look to the Lord. I will wait. And this is a statement of deliberate intent. He's saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to separate myself away from the darkness that's surrounding me. I'm going to put my hope and my trust in God. So we can apply this same godly attitude when we're praying for the lost. Only God can bring about the action of conversion. It's not down to us. We're called to pray. We're called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is the one who converts. He's the one who does that hard work. I will wait. Those words imply patience. And patience, I know, is very hard. It's, it's very hard for me personally. It's very hard for my husband. Um, <laughs> sorry, Steve. <laughs> Uh, but actually, patience, when we're waiting, it can be an active process. It doesn't mean doing nothing. It means waiting in a godly way. And we can ask God for signs. We can ask him for promptings. We can say, Lord, what's your spirit doing in this person that we're praying for? And so on. We can ask God where people are at, and that can help us to pray. Um, but we can also ask the Holy Spirit for that gift from him of patience. So if we don't have it, ask. That's, that's basically it, really. So Micah is looking and trusting who God is. He's waiting in the hope that God's going to act. But then he claims that bit at the end, my God will hear me. My God will hear me. We're coming to a God who hears. He hears us. And also, the, just that phrase, my God, he's his personal God. He knows his relationship with his heavenly father. He knows that God is almost waiting for him to pray in this situation for this person. God's waiting for our heart cry too, for people who are, who are lost. He loves the person that you're praying for more than you do. Okay? Now, discouragements will come. I'm not going to talk too much about them, but I'm sure you've all had them. You might have been praying for somebody for absolutely ages and getting nowhere. You might be thinking, God's not hearing my prayers. Um, maybe my prayers don't make any difference. Or maybe this one's a really tough nut to crack. 
I think somebody had a word about that this morning, didn't they? Um, but anyway, I feel like God's gone ahead in this, this, this word, actually. He's, he's brought several things that are kind of chiming in. Uh, this morning, I have heard people praying in a particular way and thinking, oh, I'm going to say about that. Anyway, the Holy Spirit is at work here, and he is our helper. He is a gift to help us, to lead us, to guide us, and to give us um, inspiration in our prayers. Jesus' promise to his disciples is, I will not leave you as orphans. So he's not going to leave us as orphans. He's our helper, and he's going to guide us in our prayers. And you might like to look in John uh, 15 and John 16 uh, at some point to, to sort of reinforce that. And I, I won't go into that now. But basically, it's just he will guide you. And the conversion is the work of the Holy Spirit, as I've said before. So scripture shows us then, this scripture shows us that we can have confidence in God as we pray. And because he's the God of salvation... I think it's actually, um, in my Bible, actually, it says slightly different words. I will wait for the God of my salvation. Because he's the God of salvation, he saved us. He can save others. It's these simple truths, isn't it, that we need to really soak ourselves in. We can look to him, we can trust in him, and we can wait for him. Because it's all about his kingdom coming and it's his will being done that we're praying for, isn't it? Yeah? And we need to be aware of his sovereignty and his perspective. Often, again, as somebody said this morning, God doesn't do things in the way that we think. Or maybe even the way we expect. Because God is God, he is sovereign, and he does things in his way. Now, I'm just going to share a little bit about praying for Steve here. So you've, probably, you've heard Steve's testimony, I know, but in 1983, when I became a Christian, I was very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and I actually was so full of excitement about my newfound faith that I wanted to convert Steve. I tried very hard to persuade him, but it was, <laughs> it was very, very difficult. Um, I tried preaching at him. That didn't work. I tried leave, leaving out lots of books for him to read, and that didn't really work either. As, he's, as his testimony says, he, he saw them gathering dust. But then I started to realize that I really needed to lean on God, and I needed to let go of my way of doing things and just really start praying and asking God to show me what to do. And in that journey, God showed me about faith, because I was still a baby Christian. He gave me his grace. He showed me about his Holy Spirit, and he showed me about how to pray. And it took seven years. Okay. Now, during that time, I would never have wished that I had seven years of waiting and waiting and waiting for my husband to become a Christian. Because it was hard, actually. It was hard going to church, being full of joy, having wonderful worship times, lovely fellowship with people, and then going home and thinking, how do I explain this to my husband? How do I communicate? And then he started coming to church, but he was so miserable. 
He would stand there with his hands in his pockets, absolutely refusing to engage with God and just looking grumpy the whole time. And I used to think, is it better to take him to church or better to leave him at home? And I didn't know. But I was really torn. I was really torn. There was a big part of my life that wasn't, um, I wasn't able to sort of, you know, get through to Steve what, how this was making an impact on me and how it changed my life. I couldn't get through to Steve how important Jesus was. And a couple of people advised me. One person said, keep loving him. Whatever you do, keep loving him. And that was good advice. But then I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, just pray. Just pray. That's the most important weapon that you have. And it is a battle. It's not, it wasn't just a battle for Steve. <laughs> but it's a battle whenever we pray for somebody who is lost, who is in the kingdom of darkness. And when we're praying, we're engaging in spiritual warfare. And it's difficult. So what are the things that the enemy can sometimes discourage us with? Well, sometimes he can discourage us with just feeling like my prayers aren't getting anywhere. Sometimes we can actually think, you know, this isn't making any difference. We can get very cynical, perhaps. And I know I did with waiting all that time for Steve to become a Christian. And things went up and down. You know, sometimes he seemed to be getting nearer to God and then he seemed to be going away. And one time, I remember, this is one time I really had to repent. The curate who was um, on Steve's case, he actually uh, said he would come round for a cup of tea because he knew that there was a Billy Graham live link um, to one of his rallies that he was doing. And I think it was a rally at Aston Villa, actually, football ground. And he said, do you think your Steve will come to that? I said, no way. I said, no way, he won't, he won't come. Don't even ask him, it'll just make him angry. I had to really repent of that because when this guy, Arthur, came round to our house and he was having a cup of tea with Steve, I was in the kitchen filling up the kettle or something and uh, I just heard Arthur say to Steve, so Steve, what about this live link rally then? Um, wh what do you think? Do you think you might come? And I heard my husband say the words, Yes, I think I might. <laughs> Honestly, I was gobsmacked. I could not believe it. I stood there going, what? In the kitchen. Uh, but I was just really praising God. I was so full of joy. But I realized some, it's not all about me. And it's the work, that was the work of the Holy Spirit, definitely. So as I said before, God shows us, show, well, he showed me anyway, that his love is greater than my love for Steve. His love is greater than my love. And um, anybody that we're praying for, I'm just reiterating that because I think it's really important. I learned to put Steve into his hands and to stop striving. So these are the things that God taught me, but I think they're lessons for life, really. They're lessons for Christian life. And hopefully they might help, you know, some of you here. I don't know, but I hope they will. Faith is dependent on God, not on me. I can't drum up faith. If my faith dips down and I'm like, I really don't have the faith to keep praying for this person um, because I've been really disappointed, etc. It's dependent on God. So it's going back to God all the time and saying, please, God, increase my faith. Please 
just help me to get stuck into prayer again. God showed me to receive the Holy Spirit. He taught me all about the Holy Spirit quite early on in my Christian walk, which was I'm so grateful for. But to really receive the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit in my prayers for Steve. He taught me about spiritual battles, to be aware of them and to be wise and to take authority in my prayers, to be confident like Micah, to just be really confident in who God is and, and you know, being aware it's not all about me. To be aware that the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Don't give up. God's on the case. God cares about it more than you. So the enemy will sometimes try and sow seeds of disappointment, disillusionment, or cynicism. And if, you, if you're praying for somebody long-term and these things creep in, repentance is the way. Just turn back to God and lay it all down at the foot of the cross. Submit to God. Ask God, what is your agenda for this person? What is your agenda? Sometimes it might be that there's a great battle raging for a particular soul. That's why it's taking so long. Take the disappointments that you get to the foot of the cross and leave them there. And believe and trust that God is at work when nothing is happening. God gave me a picture of um, bulbs that we plant, you know, this time of year, autumn. And then in the spring, we see them burst forth in great glory, don't we? And it really cheers the soul. However, there's times where these bulbs just lie under the ground. You don't see anything happening. And I think sometimes God works on a soul like that. He works on people in that way. We don't see things happening. And that song that we sing, I'm sure you sing it, Waymaker. You know, even when I don't see it, you're working. And so take if you're like me, I'm praying for several family members long-term to become Christians. And if you're in that situation with maybe a friend or family member, don't give up because God is working even when you don't see it. I also felt God showed me to picture Steve as being saved even when he wasn't. And I find this really helpful when I pray for people um, to become Christians People, everybody has natural qualities that God's put in them that are there anyway. And when God gets hold of a person's life, those qualities are sort of given to him and he can, you know, make the best out of that person's life. But I actually think that, you know, if you can picture whoever you're praying for uh, right now and think of the good qualities that are in their character, what would they look like? when God gets hold of those qualities. And that can really encourage you to pray um, and see them as God sees them saved. And it's a way of praying in faith as well, isn't it? Give thanks always, even for the small victories. That's something I learned when I was praying for Steve. So it was even the very, very small things. Maybe he came to church, stood at the back, hands in his pockets, but, and he didn't make a response, but at least he came to church. So thanking God that he's in church. I also uh, learned, and I'm sure you guys know this, but um, 
to share with a prayer partner or with a group. And I had the privilege of praying with a really good friend because both our, both our husbands weren't Christians. Uh, so my friend Linda and I prayed together. It was when our kids were little. So we had babies and toddlers crawling around. And we were, it was quite a funny prayer, prayer time, if you can imagine that, going on in the background. But we did. And Linda had the pleasure of seeing her husband come to Christ uh, a couple of weeks after Steve, that's right, isn't it? A couple of weeks after Steve, actually when Steve stood up and gave his testimony in church. But it was so lovely to have somebody that you've been on a prayer journey with, um, seeing that victory at the same time. It was just such a lovely gift from God. Um, signs and dreams from the Holy Spirit. This is something that I felt to really pray for, that I would get dreams and I would get signs from God. Um, because I felt that I needed to know where Steve was at. And again, I, even last week, somebody I've been praying for, a family member, I just said, Lord, show me where this person's at because I don't know and I feel like, you know, a bit weary of praying for them. I feel like they've slipped back, you know, in their, their walk towards you. And God gave me an opportunity. He always hears our prayers. So he knows and gives us that opportunity. I prayed particularly for this person to have um, an opening of their spiritual eyes. So it was as if I looked at somebody and I could see their eyes opening. They hadn't become a Christian, but I could just see God's light shining uh, on their soul, really. Um, and you can pray things like that, that God, show me where this person's at, encourage me, show me how to pray for them, and ask him to give you signs. Now, I had a couple of dreams about Steve, uh, which <laughs> was just before he actually made a step of faith. So I'd been praying for about six and a half years at this time. And um, I had a dream, and it was a dream of lots of trees, which were ch uh, like cherry trees with loads of blossom on. And uh, it's, it was springtime, and the leaves, uh, sorry, the leaves, the petals were coming uh, off the trees blowing in a wind, uh, which I believe God was showing me was the wind of his spirit. And as I looked at these petals, they turned into autumn leaves. And the autumn leaves were, I believe, a sign that that would be a significant time for Steve in his journey towards God. So I started really praying hard that God would bring Steve to faith in the autumn. And that is actually what happened. I felt God gave me that as a, like a prophetic encouragement to pray. Um, also, am I all right for time? <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, somebody in our church who was a, a lovely older man, and he was a great rock in the church, you know, he was a lovely guy. And he, he said, I don't get dreams and visions, but I've actually had a vision of your Steve, he said. And it was actually lovely to hear him say this, but he said, you really need to keep praying for him. Just dig in in prayer right now because I don't get dreams from God. And I said, what was your dream? And he said it was basically Steve was surrounded by a group of young people and he was teaching them. And he was, it was a sort of weekend away. You guys have got weekend away coming up, so <laughs> yeah, it just reminded me of that picture. So actually, 
Um, that really encouraged me, but it, it made me think because Steve hadn't got anything to do with teenagers at that point at all. And um, so it was a strange picture. But shortly afterwards, that was proved to be prophetic too, because when Steve became a Christian, he was then asked if he and I would lead um, a youth group. And sure enough, we did take a group of young people several times away for the weekend, and we saw people come to the Lord in those times. So it actually really was um, an encouraging sign for God. So I can't emphasize how much. <laughs> I really want to say just please pray that God will give you dreams and he will give you signs. If you've been praying long-term for somebody, even right at the last leg, he can show you, um, yeah, show you encouragements to keep praying and guide you in that way. Because he's a supernatural God, isn't he? He's supernatural, so he can give us things like this in that way. Finally, um, God's grace covers all of this prayer, doesn't it? You know, he, he covers it all because there's times where I just gave up praying for Steve. I'll be honest. I wasn't like this real, you know, nun <laughs> in, in a little cell praying away. I actually wasn't. I gave up sometimes and just didn't pray. And, but yet God's grace brought Steve through. And I know that other people I've prayed for, a similar thing has happened. So God is bigger than it all. He will hear. He will answer. Despite our failings, our weaknesses, and missed opportunities. And I'm sure we've all had those. There's no right or wrong way to pray. Just be led by the Holy Spirit. And finally, I just want to say, look and see what the Father is doing. Because I think that as we ask God, what are you doing in this person's life? God wants to communicate. He loves to communicate. He loves to have relationship with us. And he will tell you, he will show you, one way or another, what he's doing. Praying. Okay, to finish. Who was here last Sunday morning? Put your hand up. Lots of hands. Keep your hand up. Who picked up one of these cards last Sunday morning before you went? Lots of hands. Who has written on the back of their cards the names of people you're praying for? There's a few hands gone down there. <laughs> okay. I didn't know Ben was giving these out last week. You can look at my notes. Um, one of my suggestions was going to be write down the names of five people to pray for. Now, I think there's three lines on here, but they're short names. Just put first names. You can put as many as you want on there. really want to encourage you to use these as a real aid to just keep on praying. Put this somewhere where you're going to see it. Uh, now, I'd like to say put it in your Bible. Okay. <laughs> But you might want to put it by the kettle or somewhere, I don't know. But put it where you're going to see it. And in particular, I just want to encourage you, do this, write some names on here, people you're praying for, for the rest of this month and next month in October and November, pray for them. And then when it gets to December, invite them. Okay. Pray, 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 and then invite. You've got some great things coming up at Christmas. Ben was telling me about them earlier. Uh, invite them. Christmas is the best time of year to invite people to come to things. So pray and invite. And finally, and I'm going to pray, if you are here this morning, 
and you're not yet a Christian, you fit into that category of a bit lost, or you're not quite sure, please just come and give me your name, because I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you in faith that the next time I come, you won't be lost. You'll be found, and you'll know you're walking on God's path. Let's just pray. Let's just pray together to finish. Oh, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We need your help. Lord, you call us to be a light in this world. And Lord, we confess at times, as Ruth did, Lord, there are times when we just give up, we, we, we stop, we lose that momentum, that discipline. Oh, God, help us in this to keep praying for those we love, those we know, and, and to trust in you, Lord God, not to be anxious, but to be faithful in prayer, to persist, to be patient, and to trust in you. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here, even, even right now, just, just as we're sitting here, just think about names, one or two, three, however many names of people that you know. You may be praying for them, or God may just drop into your heart right now people he wants to pray for. Lord, as we together lift up to you this morning corporately, I don't know, there's maybe 40, 50 of us here. Lord, 100, 120, 150 names as we, as we lift them to you. We say, God, in your mercy, as you did for me, reach out, Lord. Reach out, change hearts, change lives. Melt hard hearts, we pray. And we pray in faith that within the next year and, and even beyond that, if it, even if it takes seven years, Lord, Lord, we, we will keep praying in faith. But we trust we will see lost found, the lost found. We will see prodigals come back to you. We will see those who are going their own way turn back to your way. And we trust you in this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk.